welcome to the Coaching Focus podcast. I'm Trayton Vance, CEO and founder of Coaching Focus. I've been coaching for over 25 years and I wanted to share that experience and those lessons learned with you. I will converse with fellow coaches, chief executive officers, senior leaders and HR professionals to bring you insight into how coaching is being used, the current thinking around coaching and new ideas that will hopefully ignite your thinking and help to facilitate coaching for a better tomorrow. My guest today is Maureen Sumner-Smith. Maureen's recently retired after 40 years of a very successful commercial career. Her last role until recently was the Chief Commercial Officer for the British Stances Institute. I worked with Maureen and her colleagues for a few years, and one of the things that made Maureen stand out from others was her leadership presence. So I've invited Maureen to speak with me so that we can explore leadership presence and her perspective. Maureen, welcome. It's a real pleasure to connect with you and have the chance to speak about leadership presence from your perspective. So Maureen, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you here today, and I'm sure our listeners are looking forward to understanding about leadership presence. Um, But before we do that, I'd love you just to give a quick overview to our listeners about you and where your career has taken you and where you are today. Okay, thank you, Trayton, and it's a great pleasure to be here and uh, and talking to you and your and your listeners. Yes, I have forty years of corporate commercial experience, working for lots of PLCs like Rent-A-Kill, ICI, Zeneca, Syngenta, and the last seventeen years with BSI Group, and have done a lot of roles. My last role was Chief Commercial Officer for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So a lot of challenges, cultures, and and lots of wonderful clients to look after as well. Yeah, fantastic. And you and I know each other from the BSI days. And and one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you about leadership presence is because I very much saw that presence when I was in the, the BSI offices. So can you tell us what, in your own words, what leadership presence is for you? Yes, thank you. I think for me, it's about being true to yourself because that way you will come across as the whole person rather than trying to be someone else so this word authenticity really resonates and the feedback I've been given is is that is who I am so I've never tried to be someone else I want to be who I am and that is someone who is very open very genuine high energy positive energy and all those things I think that authenticity also means that what you say is what you do as yeah. well. So you're not sort of creating two personas, which which you often hear about it. Highly visible. I was always very visible when I was in the office. I wasn't one that was stuck away in those days. Now, of course, it's more challenging. Mm. But if you are in your offices, to be highly visible, to go around and talk to people, smile. Mm-hmm. You know, just be someone engaging with individuals, engaging yeah. so that you know people feel they can come and talk to mm. you. And as you, you, we've talked about, Trayton, the, the coffee queue is the best place to talk to people and get yeah. engaged with what's or going on. The water cooler moment. The water cooler moment. Yeah. And that's where I would really find out what was going. And people would ask me questions. And you just, that's this authenticity. Yeah. You know, you're in the coffee queue with them and talking with them. And uh, that's a really genuine moment. Yeah. And one of the things I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, is just being you. But just being you in a culture that is trying to get you to align to 
various norms and all those great organizations you've worked with. How did you manage that alignment between just being you and the organizational cultures? Well, I think I would always say I've tried to influence the culture rather than accept the culture. Okay, nice. So if there's challenges in cultures, and my goodness, I've seen that over my years, Mm. I will be trying to even create microcultures, you know, if if there is some challenging cultures, and, and I've seen it, just behave differently so that people know there's a safe place if there's a, let's say, a very authoritarian culture or very, I came from a very empowered culture when I joined one of the organisations and it was very top down. Mm. And I remember being quite shocked by that. But it didn't mean that was how I was with my team. I treated my team the way I wanted to treat them and the people around me. Yeah. So, so influence what you can influence in that microsystem yeah. and control and being true to yourself yeah. and those around you. And give feedback. I remember within nine months speaking to my boss and going, this the culture here is, you know, and, and, and so you're almost putting a mirror at themselves and saying, actually, we have a problem here. Someone's come from the outside and given a different point of view, you know. Now, some people some people listen, some people don't listen, but yeah. you know, at least you then know that there is an acknowledged issue if there is a, a cultural sort yeah. of behavioural issue. And, and um, how did you manage situations where there wasn't much movement and you knew that you couldn't make the changes that you wanted to quickly enough? Did you stay firm to that, just be yourself? Or how did you manage that with other leaders and certainly senior leaders? I had quite a lot of challenging conversations I bet <laughs> I, I, I'm not one to accept no okay great so uh, I would have some very challenging conversations and I have had some very challenging bosses who will know that I won't you know obviously I, I will accept the the strategy and all that stuff but if we're yeah. doing things in a way I don't think it's right I will speak up um, but in the end, obviously, when you're in a corporate, you have to follow the corporate line. But yeah. it doesn't mean you have to do everything in the same way. No. So you, you align to the what. It's just how, how that gets exactly. done, the yeah. behaviours and ways, the Very culture. Nice exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. how you do it. It's, and, and, you know, in my roles, I've had global roles. I've travelled around the world. And you get little microcosm of cultures. Yeah. You know, I won't name any nationalities, but you do get uh, lots of different cultures there. And and that's quite interesting to observe. And you have to sort of conform. I mean, the Japanese one is, is, a, is a very typical, very formal, very hierarchical. But, you know, you, you can do things within that to make people, your teams in those countries, understand um, how you want to deal with them, that they can talk to you. And you know, Yeah. Just... So I guess what I'm hearing is being yourself, being authentic, but also appreciating and flexing to the cultural environment that Absolutely. you're in but there are boundaries to what you're willing to yes to stretch and flex Absolutely. to. I mean yeah. you know the the what it's not my own business it's if there is a board there is everything like that yeah. so you know you will you will absolutely work towards the what yeah it's lovely and, and you coach a number of individuals and mentor a lot of individuals and, and if you were coaching somebody who came to you with the topic of developing their leadership presence what advice and guidance would you give them that they could take away and an action really interesting question and this is where the male female thing comes very differently and i've coached both obviously through my through my career i think the first thing is i would ask them who they think they are and you know 
what they think their style is. So try and get some self-awareness. Yeah, um, understanding themselves. Exactly, better. understanding themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting question when you ask someone in leadership, you know, what's their style? Their self-awareness mm. of what their style is, I'd say. Um, and then I think I'd explore, so, so this is your style. What do you think is a good leader? And then where do we need to develop you to, you know, because they will they will have seen good leaders yeah. and they will know that they're not there because that's why we'll be having that conversation, I imagine. So, you know, what is it that they need to develop and what do they need to be aware of? And sometimes it is just awareness and, and a feeling of being overawed as opposed to knowing where they need to go and what they need to do. Yeah. So what I'm hearing then is raising awareness to give understanding of themselves and then a sort of an audit to say, this is misses me this is so i can be myself yeah but how do i need to adjust that to lead more effectively going forward uh, yes i think that the the it's it's almost a gap analysis this is yeah. me um this is who i want to be because i've seen that's good leadership behavior yeah and what do i need to develop to to get there yeah, yeah. that would be it and, and i know you and i have spoken about this question it's a really lovely oh. question why should somebody be led by you yeah and, and, you know, I think that's a great question that leaders should be asking. Exactly. And what's that quality of presence that would want someone to be led by someone who has what sort of presence and attributes, do you think? What I've heard from people is this, they want to know who you are so they know how to work with you. Um, when you get the leaders that are very closed and they won't engage with with people, they struggle to know how to how to interact with that person. So that so authenticity, it's that authenticity, consistency, yeah. Also uh, vulnerability. So as a leader, I've often laughed at you know if I'm presenting and I make a mistake, I'll have a laugh with people in the audience. Love that because they see. A human you know, being. There's a human being there that yeah, makes yeah. mistakes or, you know, yeah. I think that's really important. Obviously, you don't want to be sharing all your weaknesses. <laughs> no, sure. Know, but certainly showing a vulnerability, I think, is important. It's that being true to yourself and, and flexing your behaviour depending on who you're speaking to. That's the other thing, particularly in the cultural arenas of, di of different organisations, but also countries you you will need to be respectful of of that as well yeah. um, you know in some cultures that wouldn't be appropriate but in the uk it's it's definitely people looking for that and i guess that flexibility is as a good coach noticing how you need to adjust your approach the questions you're going to ask and i guess a key part of that is understanding the individual you're having a conversation leading so empathy yes is a key part of of that approach yes. i think one of the um one of the words i've heard which is kind of a posh word of saying intuition but situation sensors okay, so nice. being able to pick up on something and this is this could be either culturally or it can be um, corporate cultures or, or or just individuals in a certain situation yeah. and being able to pick up on that um what's going on in that person's life or what's going on in that role or what's going on in that division um, yeah. and being able to understand that and respond to that so that you are recognizing something that's going on and therefore you're adapting how you're behaving i think that's a so like a sixth sense yes i suppose so it's i mean yeah. that's you know i quite like this just situation sensing i think yeah. is a really nice term because it's 
It could be, it, it probably may not even be a six sense. It may be one of the five, five senses. senses yeah. Missing, you know, yeah. it's, it's just that perception, yeah. intuition. Um, and, and I guess people will feel that, see that, notice that, and that creates that presence, that, yes. that energy between yes. two parties. And getting to know people, you know, getting to know what's going on, asking questions, what's going on in their lives, so that you're showing an interest, a personal interest, the so next time you see them. I've seen some CEOs do this really, really well, um, you know, understand everyone, know who they are, and then going, oh, your last time you spoke, your mother was ill, or you're, you know, and yeah. that's that's the personal bit. That's the personal mm. bit that, you know, the, the C in the title, you're a person. Forget the C in the title, you're just a person. Yeah, and interacting with another interacting with another person. person. Just yeah, be be aware and recognise that. So I think, yeah. And there's a new term that some of our listeners may have read or heard about, which is human centric leadership. Yes, putting the human at the heart of exactly. everything and engaging with person, people as a human being, not just as a sort of human doing. They're not just there to do stuff for you. They're there as a real person. So and depending on their role, that human. Is is it's really critical. If they're a tutor or a trainer, the way they come across and what's going on in their life is really, really critical because they're influencing a room of 20 people yeah. and trying to change them. So, you know, that human um human aspect and acknowledging that human aspect and helping them acknowledge that is really important. And we've spoken about the things that are present in a present leader. Mm -hmm. What would show up if someone wasn't present do you think what what are the things that you see that you go that's not great well disengagement and what does that look sound like to you no interest in people around no they don't want to interact with people they're, they're not people people okay <laughs> you know they 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 may be brilliant at, at what they do yeah but they aren't engaging with the people around them so and i think that makes people you know if you're if you're on the receiving end of that sort of behavior and you're trying to engage that person you've got no data to work with have you you've got no. nothing to work with it's like talking to a blackboard mm. and and some leaders are like talking to a blackboard mm. you know yeah. there's nothing there and it makes it really hard to have an engaging conversation and, and get over problems so it's like talking to a machine i guess yes, rather than a person exactly. it's like talking yeah. to a machine and and they may do that deliberately, but I don't think they get out the best out of people if they if that's if that's their style. Yeah, yeah. What else could you see that would be sort of negative traits of someone that's a leader who isn't present? Not listening. Okay, so the listening side listening, of things. Of course, not yeah. Listening. It's their view, and it's not a conversation. You've been told what to do and or told what to say. So not listening to the fact there's other data that should be taken on board, I think is another another one. But then you've got disrespect. <laughs> you know, you've got sure. other very negative um, areas where, you know, downright rudeness, um, which, you know, I've seen. And this is my way and there's no other way. Yeah, my way or the my highway. Way or the highway is, yeah. You know, which is, you know, just just don't question me. Just go and do it. Yeah. How disempowering is that? As you know, I've had that in my career too. You know, yeah, I'm stop sure most of our listeners have. <laughs> stop asking, just go and do. Well, I mean, that's like coaching, isn't it? Because coaching, you're trying to get the coachee to understand and come up with their own situation, their own answers. Yeah. If you just tell them what to do, are they going to do that? 
what less it, likely. Yeah, and you're using your authority where yes. you want to empower people. Exactly. And they you own want that. Them to, mm. to really believe, because they will go and implement whatever it is that's the strategy if they believe it and yeah. they really believe it. Is that enough negative? That That's, uh, well, it's things not to do, I guess. Is, yes. Yeah, which won't get that impact and the presence that we want with two, two human beings. Exactly, exactly. So Maureen, I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. And one point that you said that has resonated with me was focusing on those micro cultures, those micro systems to impact the wider system. So I'm really curious to understand how you go about that and the impact you make. Yes, it's it's an interesting one. And when I joined one of the organisations, I, I felt I was into a culture that I didn't like particularly. But I created in my own team how we were going to behave. So I recruited people. It was you know, almost like a startup organisation for me at that time. My team, not the, the business. I created, brought people in that would behave in the way that I wanted to behave and have the attributes. And what I noticed over time was I was working awfully long hours because I had lots of people wanting to spend time with me and understand it. And I remember certainly an MD of a business contacting me um, about and wanting me to come and talk to female leaders in his organisation because he was quite liking the culture I was creating in my organisation. And when you said to understand it, it being the culture that you were creating? Yes, and I think, yes. I mean, yeah. I, I, I was I was, I'm absolutely not only creating female teams. I absolutely believe in equality both ways. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I've actually gone the other way because I have too many females or too many males. I will actually you need to get a balance. Too. Absolutely believe in balance of male and female because everyone brings something to the party. So so that's um, that's the situation. But but this, this particular MD um, had been a real challenge with me because he found me very different. So he was um, quite unpleasant at various times and turned into an absolute ally in the end when he realised that I was just doing things differently and that they, they couldn't understand my behaviour, I suppose, because it was mm. sitting there in a very male environment. So they couldn't understand it or accept it? It could be both. Yeah. I, I took the charitable route. Actually, <laughs> they, they think I'm just behaving very differently to yeah. them. Um, and eventually they realised that my motivation, what I was doing was for the company as well, and... Okay. I was accepted, um, yeah. and then I was asked to come and share some of what I was doing with female leaders in in his team, which yeah. was interesting. It was a real, oh my goodness, it's worked. <laughs> and what is it that you shared with those other female leaders? Can you remember? Well, in this case, it was very much about career development, and, you know, there was, I mean, we're talking about quite a little while ago where people thought that people manage your careers for you. Right. And uh, my message to these female leaders was... Um, you have to manage them. You make the decisions. You have to choose. Be proactive you in your proactive. career pathway. Yeah. You absolutely need to mm. ask for opportunities or push yourself forward for visibility because there isn't somebody there who's going to do it for you. It's you. It's yeah. up to you. Yeah. Um, and that resonated really strongly with them, actually. Yeah. yeah. Great. And one of the things you say is is that balance between male and female. Yeah. One of the questions that I'm I'm curious to hear your answer from is is there a different presence that females leaders need to have compared to their male counterparts shouldn't be would be my instinct 
Uh, that's a really that's a really interesting question because we shouldn't be but obviously because i've seen amazing men who behave like women and i've seen amazing women behaving really badly um in terms of the way they they lead because they feel like they need to behave like a man and it isn't mm. it isn't mm. in their genes i've seen some really tough, unpleasant female leaders. Trying to replicate Trying the to traits replicate, that might yes, see in a male yes, dominant leader. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I saw an HR director bomb on stage with her opening rather misogynist comments. Um, right. Because she thought, I've got to come up and make make an authority. I've got to make a statement. Yeah. And managed to disinterrupt about 50% of the audience straight away. Know, straight away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I knew that person, that wasn't that person. And I had no idea what made that person behave in that way, other than thinking... That was acceptable. That was, that was acceptable. the norm. This is how we lead. Exactly. Yeah. This, this and I guess from what you're saying at that stage, that may have been a male-dominated yes. culture. Well, there's a lot of that still. It's yeah. getting better. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it comes back to the point you said right at the beginning is that a leader has presence, knows themselves with that self-awareness and is able to embrace and be comfortable being themselves. Yes. And then impacting those that they lead in those micro systems to affect the you know, the macro system yes. and start to change that culture. Yes. yes. I think it's very powerful that because you know, you can join an organization and you feel a little bit on your own. Now, obviously, different areas, but even if you even if you are an individual, the way you behave, the way you respond to things, if it's very different to everything around, but it's appropriate, then people will start noticing that. And, mm. and I don't know if I was so conscious of that when I joined organisations, but reflecting back, that's what I was doing. Okay, so it's sort of just natural in that but now you've had time to pause and reflect on what were some of those success factors yes. those are the principles that have emerged for I was, you i was conscious i didn't like a lot of what was being done and said yeah but that just meant me more determined to not become that person or that way of, of managing and leading and to keep on my own path yeah, yeah. so you know you can see very clearly i don't like that behavior or i don't the way, like the way that person treats people now a lot of people will go well that's that's the culture in the organization i need to behave like that which is what a lot of people did yeah that wasn't a choice i made yeah so it's not only just understanding yourself it's understanding what is acceptable to you um, and not allowing the culture to suck you in to be like that and really standing fast and pushing back yeah. and challenging in and, that and doing it appropriately and doing it genuinely yeah because as i said i've seen i've seen it where people are trying to change a culture but dramatic and or dramatic is probably the best way yeah. to say it. Too, yeah, much, too, too much too soon yeah um and i think you 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 need to do it appropriately to do it in the way that you believe in as opposed to you've read in a book you yeah. know, it's, it's got to be it's got to be genuine to you. This mm. is how I'm. This is who I am. This is how I'm going to behave. Yeah. And how, whatever else is going on around it, I'm going to keep behaving in this way. Yeah, and I guess creating a new culture. Let's say, for argument, a coaching culture, mm. a more empowered mm. and engaging culture, is a bit like planting a tree. Mm -hmm. That you plant a tree, and you may not be able to sit underneath it to shade from it, but people leave future leaders in the past will have learned from you and will then 
benefit from that. And over time, the, the tree grows, like the culture develops, and yeah. people can then enjoy the positives of that. That is the best part of, of being in corporate life, to be honest. That is absolutely the best part. Mm. And um, I don't know if it's because I'm getting a bit older now, but people say to me, I remember you saying this to me, and I'll go, I don't remember that conversation. <laughs> yeah. but I'm glad you do, and I'm yeah. glad I said that. Yeah. You know, at that time, it's sort of... Um, it is. It's the best thing is 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 giving people that authenticity, that something to anchor on, and some and areas for them to consider how to behave as yeah. well. And I guess it's the legacy you leave behind. Help people not just talk about you in the moment, but talk about when you're not there. Yes, it is. It is. And and you know, I've I've heard a lot of when they're not there conversations <laughs> about people and thinking. Yeah. You know, it's pretty brutal. You know, and. Um, you have to live with yourself, Trayton. You have to be who you are. And, you know, you can only be the best person that you can be. Yeah. You can't be someone else. Yeah. So it's, you know, understand. That's what I said to you about what would I say if I was coaching someone. Understand who I am. Understand where I need to change, but where I can change that I can change. I'm not going to then go and be someone else. Sure. That will never work. No, you, you know, authenticity you to, is key. Exactly. You have to yeah. stretch and, and work some muscles and behaviours. Yeah. If they're not natural to you, but don't try and be someone else because it, it'll be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the legacy that you think you've left at these organisations with other leaders? I hope I've made a difference to people's lives. I really do. And, you know, lovely feedback when I left my last company. The amount of people that conversations are fed back to me, people mm. remember um, things that I, you know, around the world, people remember things that I've said or, or the way I've behaved or treated people. And I would hope that people learn that there is a different management style. It doesn't have to be a top-down. There is a different management mm. style. So I would hope people see that, you know, you can behave like that and you can still have a great career. Yeah, and be very successful as well, you have successful been. Successful as... as yeah, yeah, but it, that's not about success. It's about actually that legacy and how you feel about yourself. You know, I've now left my full-time working and are now developing coaching skills and training for that because I want to now do that give back. This is really now strong in me. Lovely. Um, and I guess that comes to our final question. At Coaching Focus, we have a very simple purpose, which is coaching for a better tomorrow. So I'd love for you just to explain to the listeners what that means to you. I love it. I love that term because it's so future focused and it's so particularly in our world has changed dramatically in the last few years and where people may have thought we were going to go back, it hasn't. Mm. Um, and so the way we work for all generations, but particularly the younger generations, the ones in their 20s and 30s, they definitely don't want to go back to the sort of corporate life that I led, where I would get in the car at six in the morning and get to the office and get home at eight o'clock at night. Mm. Why would you want to do that if mm. I'd had the mm. choice not to do that? So being able to allow this generation to understand what they can do, what's in them, which is what coaching will bring for the new way of working, which changes leadership style. I, I've had... I can see with the generation of my children, I can see that what they want, the way they work now, is very different. Now, there are leaders in their organisations who are really struggling with it. And they will, I've heard people say, well, you have to be in the office. And, you know, 
why why do you have to be in the office? Mm. So the, we we both we all accept that the social interaction is really important, and it's you know great to be physically with you today as opposed to doing this on, on screen. Yeah, it makes a real difference. There's no doubt about it. And certainly as you're getting to know people, that's really, really important. And, you know, I'm pushing my coaching to be as face-to-face -face as possible if I don't know the people. But over time, there, you know, you don't have to do that every day, five days a week. It can be a, a, a blend. And so that is a change of management and leadership style. And, you know, every generation that's out there as manager leaders need to understand that they have to now do things differently. And I think, you know, the, the facts are there's quite a, a surprising fact, five generations within yes. the workplace now. So, you know, there will be people who have used to uncomfortable in the old world and those that are merging into the new world. But the new world is, as you say, here to stay. And yeah. there is a different leadership style required to allow people to flourish and grow in the best way possible. I've heard leaders say, older generation leaders, I have to admit, say, no, no, they have to come in the office because I need to know what they're doing. Mm. And I've also heard older leaders going, saying to people, will you not off early because they're monitoring their screen time. Completely inappropriate. So that sort of command and control, command managing control. rather than exactly. leadership coaching, which is, for exactly. us, is the and, new approach. And, and this generation in their 20s and 30s yeah. will not accept that. No. They will not accept that. And, you know, it's completely... You know, okay, if they're always not working, then that's something else. But it's about outputs and productivity. It's not about how many hours you're controlling your screen. Maureen, thank you. It's all, as ever, a lovely pleasure to, to speak with you. And I'm sure our listeners will enjoy listening to the podcast when, when they do so. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Great. Thanks, Maureen. Bye-bye.